0: you and acknowledge that uh, you are holy we exalt you above all things above all things above the things we see on the news the things we read in the paper the things we see online the personal attacks everything lord god we raise it to you and we exalt you above all of those things we thank you that you are the precious lamb We thank you, Father, for your ministry into us as we were singing that song. We ask that you would continue to minister by your goodness and your grace. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue on in our series today, uh, looking at some of the greats from the Old Testament through into the New Testament. This will take us right through into Christmas. Um, Nat and I had a fantastic time on Tuesday, dreaming about some of the characters that we're going to bring up to you. Um, and uh, the way we're going to do it. So we're really excited about that. For those that um, were here last week, who do you think we're going to be looking at today? Jacob. Very good. So we went from the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, when you look at those three characters, we see that they're all flawed characters. Um, Out of those three characters, Jacob has more written about him. He gets into more adventures. And if I was to truly preach on Jacob... I'd be here for the next month at least, but we won't be. We'll try and cover everything today about Jacob. Now, Jacob was not squeaky clean. In fact, his name gives it away that he's not squeaky clean. As we see in today's Bible reading, that uh, Isaac and um, Rebecca were having trouble having kids. 20 years they had trouble having kids. 20 years. I don't know if that was something in your story. Um, Apparently, as a young youth pastor, um, when I turned 27, 28, my church at the time thought I should have kids. And uh, were looking at me to say, yeah, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And uh, saying some things like that to Cynthia as well, saying, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? Now, it's a journey. And we hadn't been blessed at that stage. And we finally got there, and now I've got two. One's twenty-eight, one's twenty-five. One's married, the other one's gonna get married, so the banker can't go down. But we ended up getting there. Jacob and Esau come along twenty years later. Twenty years. You imagine that? Some absolute prayer times in that. When she was pregnant, after finally God ministering into her life and blessing her with twins. How many people are saying amen, blessed with twins? Yeah, blessed with twins. Um, She gets concerned because there's stuff going on. It's like the two babies are fighting inside her, you know? Uh, Anyone got kids that fight? (laughs) They get each other. How, How gifted are these kids that they know how to push each other's buttons so well, whether it's a look... Whether it's a word or whether it's they walk in the room or whether they park in their car spot. (laughs) We've had that happen at our house. That's my car spot. You live in Gladstone now. It's not your car spot anymore. You know, it's changes. Well, these two guys knew how to push each other's buttons in the womb. They were going for it in the womb. And she was so concerned about it, she went and sought the Lord over. And the Lord gives her a message and we read about it today. And in it, God says, you have two nations in your womb. There will be two peoples who will come from you, but they will be separated. One people will be stronger and the other will be weaker. But the, the way God does things, and we, we know through the Bible, don't we, that God does things differently. He doesn't fit into the traditions of man or into our will. It's God's will that should be done, not Donny's will. And God does things differently. So normally when the firstborn child comes out, they're the special one. Any firstborn child here? Yeah, we're special, aren't we? Any lastborn child here? You're spoiled, right? Yeah, okay, we got this. So we get this, but this is special. The firstborn child has this birthright, and it is incredible. Could you imagine if God was ordering the monarchy today? You know, our queen passes away and we're all thinking, Charlie's going to be queen, king. (laughs) So I only had a queen all my life. Give me a break. (laughs) Charlie's going to be king. But God says, no, I don't think so. I'm going to change it up a bit. I'm going to give it to Harry. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? Well, this is what's happening here. The younger gets the gig. In the womb, God says to mum and dad, The younger will be the blessed one. Wow! That's a a prophetic word over this precious young life, even before they were born. And we find out that when Esau comes out, and I don't think there's a problem with Esau coming out looking a bit red, that happens. And I don't think the condemnation of him being hairy, I mean, that happens. I think I needed a haircut when I came out. You know, it's just the way it is. It's not bad. But then Jacob comes out. He's not hairy. And he's grabbing hold of. And straight away they go, ooh, we're going to call him Jacob. That means troublemaker or supplanter or deceiver at the name of your birth. How? Not a good one. Esau being red gets Esau and he becomes the father of Edom, E-D-O-M. A great nation in their own right, but one that was eventually conquered by King David. Now, the story goes on. These guys didn't get on real well. And we sort of think, yep, okay, the story's good. Yep, this happens. And they they go through the era of growing up. Esau is a man of the land. He goes out. He loves hunting. He loves all this. And and Isaac loves this. He loves it. He loves the game. He loves this good food. and, And Esau knows how to do it so he goes out and hunts and brings back all this great food jacob though stays home and if i paint the picture for you esau loves fishing he loves the football he loves surfing he loves being out there he would have struggled during covid all right he would have struggled jacob however is still home with mum what is he doing when Esau comes in after for hunting all day? He's cooking a stew. I'll just cook a stew today. That's normally the, the women's job, Jacob. Oh, and I'm going to cook a stew. So I think Jacob is still hairless, probably bald, <laughs> probably watches Star Wars all the time. <laughs> 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 Probably is a geek on the computer. Knows how to do the computer and stuff and everything. He's, he's probably in that vein. He stays home all the time. And he's a bit of a mummy's boy. I don't like him. I'm, I'm, I'm an Esau fan. I like Esau. You like Esau? Right. But this thing happens and Esau comes home. And, and then you see a part of why God was going, yeah, no, this is not the right guy. Because he comes home and he's hungry. Now, I don't know how hungry he is, but he's really hungry. And he sees some of the stew that Jacob's cooking up. And the Bible is so descript of this stew. Guess what they call it? Red stuff. <laughs> red stuff. There's some red stuff. And, 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 and Esau goes, "Ooh, I'll have some of that. And Jacob goes, what well, will you give me for it? And Esau goes, whatever you want. Whatever you want. I'm thinking, this is going nowhere. And then Jacob turns around and says, okay, you give me your birthright. And Esau goes, deal. What good's my birthright if I'm going to starve to death? He's exaggerating a little bit. And he doesn't consider his birthright anything special. And he's prepared to give it away for some red stuff. And he does. And they shake on it and Jacob gives him the food. There it is. then a few years later, quite a few years later, because we find out that Jacob and Esau are 70 years old when this event takes place. So last week, I gave you a hard time saying that, uh, you know, Isaac was home still at 46. Esau's married. He's got a couple of wives. He's married a few Canaanite women and a few Hittites, which have got up his dad's nose. But Jacob's not married, still home cooking red stuff in mum and dad's house at the age of 70. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Can you imagine that, Mr Dunn? <laughs> How many kids you got? Six. Two, six, six. So let's say these guys have got two, so let's just divide it in half. How would you like to have three of your kids still living at home at the age of 70? Well, I don't have to cook. <laughs> Who's cooking the red stuff out of the kids? Who's cooking the red stuff? All right, so he's 70 years old. And so is Esau. But Isaac is getting old. His eyesight's going. And he feels like he's going to die. And so he wants to give out the blessing. The blessing. And he's reaching out and he says to Esau, he grabs Esau and says, you're my favorite there you go there's a part of the problem Esau was the favorite but Jacob was the favorite for his mum. you can sort of see it straight away can't you and he says to Esau he whispers to Esau he says Esau I want you to go out and you know what to do I want you to find a good bit of game I want you to bring it back and cook it the way I love it and then give me the food and then I will bless you Esau goes out you beauty I made the mistake over the birthright for that red stuff but it's okay dad's going to bless me and I'm going to be the chosen one for our family Rebecca hears about it and she grabs Jacob and says hey we need to do something about this the blessing is going to be given to Esau today if we don't do something about it where's the problem with this apart from it being manipulative deceptive and wrong where's the problem favoritism is the problem what if i tell you a lack of faith is actually the problem Uh, not believing god when god says it it's the way it is when god in genesis chapter one spoke the word guess what creation was brought into being god's word is something you can take to the bank in the old testament and the new testament and today So if God comes to you when you've got two babies in your womb and says, the younger is going to reign, you don't need to do anything about it. You don't need to manipulate it. Even if they're 70 years old and they're still living it you don't need to manipulate the situation because God's going to bring it about. But they didn't have that. They manipulated the situation and they did the cooking and they put on the sheepskins and everything to try and, Convinced. Now the other thing that this points out is that Esau and Jacob were similar builds. Obviously, they're twins. So even though Jacob stayed home and Esau was outside doing all the hard work, Jacob was still a strong build. And so when he came in, he smelt like Esau. He felt like Esau being hairy. And three times, three times he gets asked, Are you my son Esau? And guess what he does? He blatantly lies. To his dying father team Esau anyone team Jacob end of the day Isaac is convinced that this is Esau and he gives him this blessing may God give to you the dew of the sky and from the richness of this land an abundance of grain and new wine may people serve you and nations bow in homage to you be master over all your relatives may your mother's sons bow in homage to you those who curse you will be cursed and those who bless you will be blessed that's not a bad blessing bad blessing to get even though you've just manipulated and lied and schemed to get your way esau comes back just a moment later to find out that the blessings already been given And if you're reading in the Bible, Esau lets out an almighty scream. You could just imagine. He's been ripped off by this guy yet again. And he says right there and then, is there anything for me? And there's not. It's a terrible passage. You can have a read of it. And then what happens is Esau swears that once his dad dies, his brother is dead so rebecca convinces isaac to send jacob away under what disguise under the he's not married yet and if he stays here he's going to marry one of those other women and we don't want that we want him to go away and marry a good woman my brother laban is over back home go over there i'm sure there's some good kids over there so off he goes off he goes jacob's on his journey And on this journey, after just ripping his brother off and lying to his dying father, God meets with him. I don't know about you, but if I was God, that journey would have been the most torturous journey in his life. Not one that when he's lying down with his head on a rock, that he has this amazing dream of a ladder up into heaven and angels declining and inclining and going upwards and down and just this amazing sight that happens. What are you doing, God? You're blessing this scheming little rat bag. And then when he gets to where he's going, he meets the girl of his dreams straight away. There's a little bit of Laban giving as good as he gets. And he has to work an extra seven years to get the girl of his dreams. And at the end of all this, Jacob's now 90 years old. And God speaks to him and says, time to go home, man. Time to go back to the promised land. Time to go back and grab hold of the blessing that's on your life. It's not here. I pulled Abraham out of here. You're somewhere else. Your promise, your inheritance is somewhere else. And he obeys. And he heads home. And on the way home, he starts to get panicky about Esau. The word comes out that Esau has 400 fighting men. You can imagine that, can't you? Esau's an outside guy. He's out there. He's just grabbed every rebel and revolutionary in the area. They've all come and joined his tribe. And they're out and they're just kicking goals all over the place. Grabbing lands here right and center. And here comes the schemer coming back. The guy who ripped him off with all his family and all his property. You can see Jacob's a bit fearful of this. And Esau, I think, has every right to be cranky. Jacob sets everyone in front first. Quite cunning, isn't he? Send my wife and her kids. Send my other wife and her kids. I'll send all my property and I'll come last. And that way if Esau is still cranky and he kills all them, maybe I can run away. Still scheming still looking after number one again still his will and not god's will because when he was over there with his uncle laban what did god say time to go home your promise is about to be fulfilled the blessing that's upon you is about to come those who bless you will be blessed those who curse you will be cursed where's his faith send them first so he's alone he's alone I I think, I know for myself that my God desires to get me alone, where he can talk to me one-on-one, where he can minister to me one-on-one, where I will stop wrestling. I will stop the wrestle. Here's the situation. Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 to 30. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket. So as they wrestled, they dislocated his hip. And he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man said, Jacob, he replied. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men And you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask me my name? And he said, bless me here. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen the face of God. And yet my life has been spared. Now, let's just unpack that very quickly. Jacob's alone. He's in a bad situation. He believes Esau is going to kill him wipe everything out and he has this situation take place a man turns up and they wrestle how does that work you know when i'm down the beach and someone comes up and says g'day we don't end up wrestling we just chat but these guys what happened for them to get in a wrestle well i think the picture is really clear this is a man who is all over the place, and God's meeting with him. Anyone relate to this? Anyone been all over the place? Anyone currently all over the place? Anyone currently going, I want to meet with God, but I don't want to meet with God? Anyone, yeah, I'd like to hang out with God, but you know, he's he's probably got a different plan than I have. Um, If I hang out with God, there's probably going to be some changes going on in my life. So this is the situation. And they wrestle. How long do they wrestle? All night. All night. How old did I say this guy was? 90. 90. God comes to me at 8 a.m., 8 p.m. at night and says, okay, Donnie, you and me, we're on. We're going to wrestle the night. I got you win. <laughs> I'm not 90, man. I'm. <laughs> do what you need to do. <laughs> I'm yours, your humble servant you know all night they wrestled and and it was going either way and and can you ever imagine you know what the man does as we find out it's god pops the hip is that sound a little bit hmm is that really in the 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 game of wrestling (laughs) just pop out it goes winner you know I remember at Bible college, uh, I used to tutor one of my lecturer's sons in maths, uh, which is a good way to get good with the tutor and the lecturer. (laughs) Anyway, after we'd do maths, we'd play pool in the the pool table. And and one day, the lecturer comes down and says, all right, Donnie, you and me, we'll have a game of pool. I went, sure. And and my bravado was, I'm going to whoop you a boat no respect <laughs> let the lecturer win <laughs> no anyway so i'm i'm getting there and i'm on the black ball and he's not and, and and he deliberately snookers me by potting the white ball deliberately and i went hold on a sec that's not allowed and he says house rules <laughs> i miss he takes two shots dunk 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 he wins like what God wins, and yet God says he prevailed because Jacob would not let go, even though his hips gone. Even though his hips gone. And then they say, You know, what's your name? Now remember, Jacob's name is not a good name. One of the commentary writers also says that Jacob also means thief. How's that one? Thief. That's a terrible name, isn't it? Hi, how are you going? Hi, I'm thief. (laughs) That's terrible. Hi, I'm manipulator. Hi, I'm deceiver. Hi, I'm supplement. You know, that's what it means, Jacob. Hi, I'm Jacob. And we read, you know, when God says, what is your name? We read Jacob says, my name is Jacob. Or does he go, my name is Jacob. Or do you go, my name is Jacob. I reckon it was the latter. My name is Jacob. I am a conniving so-and-so. I ripped my brother off. I lied to my dying father, who I will never see ever again. I am a bad person. My name is Jacob. And God turns to him and says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Your name is Israel. You are a prince of God. You are a prince of men. How many of us need to hear that from God today? You are not what your past has declined you to be. You do not need to live up to the sins of your past or in Jacob's case, live down to them. You can be set free from it and you can hear God's voice say to you loudly and clearly, you are Israel. You are the prince. You are my chosen one. You are my son and my daughter. You are a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are not rubbish. I'm at work in your life. There may be some issues. You may not be perfect, but I love you just the same. I need to hear that today. Jacob comes face to face with his God and with himself. And he meets through this situation. You see, Jacob's go to is how can I fix everything? How can I connive this? How can I manipulate this? I'm a fixer. I like to fix stuff. When there's a fight going on in my family, I like to fix it. Some of my my answers to fixing things are really bad though. They're really aren't they, honey? I come up with some doozies. Absolute doozies. Oh mate, I do. How many people are fans of red, red arrow lights? Red arrows? You know what the lights? Red arrows? Any, anyone, anyone on page with me now? Red arrows? Turning lights? Yes. I hate them. I hate them. This one up here, I spend half my life sitting at that red arrow. And the other half of my life, I sit at the one outside my house, trying to get on the and way. But I've got a plan. I'm going to fix them. Cynthia doesn't like my plan. She's promised to visit me in jail. You see, we're fixers. We try to do this. Jacob was trying to do this. And this time he said, no, I got nothing. I need you, God. He's 90 years old. He wrestles with God all night. But you know what? God's not actually there for the fight. You get that? God's not really interested in the fight. God gets ticked off at the fight and goes, you know, I'm over this. Hip, boink. Jacob was the one wrestling. God wasn't. Because think about that. When you go into a situation with God, who's going to win? God. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the creator of the universe. He is the ultimate. You go into a situation and holding a pair of twos, And he's got a a straight royal flush. (laughs) Gotcha. For those who don't know cards, I'll use another example later on. (laughs) God wants to give Jacob exactly what he needs, which is the blessing. But it's not a blessing that Jacob thinks he needs, but it's a change of name from Jacob to Israel. God wants Jacob to admit his failure. He wants him to realize that without God, he is nothing. He is no longer to be a supplanter a manipulator or a thief god says he wants to do something amazing in and through his life that he's no longer that thief but a prince it's a little bit of a aladdin isn't it no longer a thief but a prince you see jacob as a prince strived with god and with man and he wins not because he manipulated god but god saw that his humility when he said what's your name and that is why jacob got the victory and that is why when we come to communion today we can stop and realize what god's actually doing you see the first passover is the people of israel getting ready to leave their past behind and to go off into the promised land to not do things Egypt's way anyway, but to go God's way. And then when Jesus grabs hold of the communion time, the Passover meal, he grabs hold of it and he says, this is no longer meant to be your will, but my will. And my will is to do the will of the father. And that is to go to the cross. And as I go to the cross on your behalf, this cup and this bread will be the one that opens the way For the promise that has always been there from Genesis chapter 12, through all the prophets, the promise for God's people, there is redemption, there is healing, there is forgiveness of sin, there is God's grace and mercy for you and for me. And we get to remember it during the cup and the bread. We get to realize that I'm no longer Jacob as I take the cup and the bread. We get to realize that we are truly Israel. We are truly sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because our sins are forgiven. If you're sitting there today thinking, no, 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 my sins aren't forgiven, then please can I drive that home even more? Your sins are forgiven and as you drink the cup, and as you eat the bit of bread, you can just say, thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for everything I've ever said, thought, or done is covered by the blood of the Lamb. It's what Ollie prayed. It's what Ollie prayed at the beginning, that whatever we've thought, said, or done is under the cross, that all of us today, because of this simple time as we remember and have that opportunity to cry out to god no matter what it is one of the blessings i had when the kids were at school was to go and do christian ed and and, and i had this girl come up to me at the end the christian ed and said please pray for me i've i've committed the unforgivable sin and i went you're in grade 12 and you've committed the unforgivable sin yes i have i went no you haven't not a chance yes i have we had an argument and then i sat down with her and tried to explain to her tried to get her to share with me what the unforgivable sin is see if you're living and breathing you haven't done the unforgivable sin you haven't done it i believe the unforgivable sin is to go to the grave with an unrepentant heart because you go beyond god's goodness and grace if you're breathing, you've got an opportunity to say, Father, forgive me, no matter what you've done. I know it's one of the great challenges that a guy on a cross who's a robber and a thief who's being executed can turn to Jesus and say, Yeah, I believe. And Jesus turns to him and says, Trust me when I say this, you will be today with me in paradise. God's word to the guy on the cross dying, God's word through the communion and the cup for you and for me, our sins are dealt with. You don't need to walk around with your past. You can say goodbye to Jacob and hello to Israel. You are a son and a daughter of Almighty God. Today, as you take communion, may you know that. May you experience that. Can I have the service come? Today is the cup and the bread goes out. If you can take the bread at any time, eat it at your leisure and have a talk to the Lord Jesus. But if you can hold on to the cup and we'll all take it together. Symbolizing unity, symbolizing that we are the body of Christ. Let's take the cup together. So where to for you and for me, moving forward from today to tomorrow? Is there something that God wants to release in your life and in my life? I know that God is wanting to do something in and through my life. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. And I know I need to humble my heart. I need to come humbly before my God. For he has been waiting for me to stop, to rest and to be still in his presence. Maybe you know the same. You see, I've got a name. And many of you know me by a name. But that name doesn't define who I am. Yesterday, I met with a young couple from Bean Lee. Their pastor is Steve Twible, Art's son. Uh, Steve can't do weddings, apparently. So, they need someone to do the wedding. So, this is Lorraine and Arthur's granddaughter, Rachel, and her betrothed, Jonathan. So, I sat down with them and went through all the notice of intent for marriage. And a lovely couple, by the way. Awesome couple. Congratulations. And as I'm signing it, because it's going to the government, I sign Reverend D.G. Johnson. Only when I sign things for the government do I write Reverend D.G. Johnson. I'm pretty sure none of you have got a letter from me saying Reverend D.G. Johnson. If you want one, put your hand up, I'll give you one. But see, Reverend is not my name. I do get my son-in-law to call me Reverend, but that's a different thing. See, some of you know me as Pastor Donnie, but that's not who I am. I am a pastor, yes, but I'm more than that. The surf club knows me as Chappy, and so does the hospital and the football club. But I'm more than that. I'm more than that name. And I need to be able to rest in God on those things. And you're more than that name that you sometimes feel you go by. Yesterday, as I was on the beach doing my chaplaincy thing there and handing out chubba chubs to the lifesavers, I met a guy uh, again that I've met many times over 18 years. You see, for 35 years, he was a concrete um, fixer and builder. Anyone know that there's a, such a thing as concrete cancer? Anyone suffered with concrete cancer? Oh, please don't go there. <laughs> it's terrible and it's really expensive. So he's quite well to do, even though he's I work with concrete. Really? (laughs) That's it? Yep. And he's got a great company. But for all those years, he was often known as the concrete man and and as the boss of a concrete company and a well-to-do business. But he's three years older than me and he's going into retirement. And now he's got to fix up who he is. Is he just the boss of a concrete company that's well-to-do? Or is there something more about who he is? And we had a great chat. And he flipped it on me and said, same for you, young man. Three years older than me, he calls me a young man. (laughs) Same for you. You're more than your job. You're more than that. Figure it. So what about you? What is it that God is saying to you today? What name is he saying to you? What are you hearing from God today? precious daughter precious son forgiven may you hear god's voice today may you know his love his grace and his mercy is complete our past does not need to define us today is a new day behold the old is gone and the new has come may the holy spirit fill each and every one of us anew to empower us to do what God has called us to do. I'm now going to call on two very special young people to come and give the benediction. Up you come, ladies. We've figured out that uh, one of them had a birthday this year and she's got an eight in her birthday and I've got an eight in my birthday. Is that right? have Have I got that right? Are you eight this year? You've already turned eight, yes. You're ready to turn nine though, aren't you? Yep. Can't wait to turn nine. I'm not waiting. It's coming. December is very soon going to be here. All right, ladies, there you go. Over to you. It's not working? Yeah, Brendan is in control. Testing, one, two, three. See, it is working. Hello. There you go. The Lord bless you the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and and be gracious to you the Lord the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace Amen You can keep that. That wasn't that worth coming for? Um, please, join with us in our last song. It's a beautiful song about blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. It's great, and it's something we know. Um, please, can you stay and join us for morning tea? We really do want to get to know each other. And uh, if you've fi- filled in bingo, time to find five people to sign that card for you and come and see me at the front, and I'll give you some chocolate. All right, God bless you one and all. Over to Randall and the team.